get ready for Mental Flock with Jeff and Bishop. Grab your snacks. It's about to get real. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Mental Flog. Tonight, we have a very special guest, but first, I am Bishop. And I is Jeff. And joining us tonight is... Ariel! Hell yeah, everybody. Ariel is our very first guest. Uh, Now, just a little background. Ariel actually used to be my personal trainer. So that's how I know Ariel. But besides that, she is a complete and total badass. And that's why she's joining us tonight. Uh, When we were talking about having a guest on the show, that was just a no-brainer who our first guest should be, and she was so gracious enough to accept, and we're excited to have her with us this evening. It is going to be a kick-ass episode, and I am so excited to hear what she has to say to us this evening. So, Ariel, tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much, by the way, for all of that. Um... Also, that is a loaded question, and I was thinking about it on the way over here. I was like, who am I? And I was like, well, I, first off, am a human. I am a human. Humans are good. We like <laughs> yeah, humans. Yeah, right? I'm a human just like everybody else. Um, Speak but for I, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> actually, in second grade, I like got up and told the whole class that I was an alien, and that's a whole other story. So maybe I'm an alien, but I'm inhabiting a human body for this time period and this podcast episode. I am also a fitness, life, and money mindset coach. I am a wellness retreat coordinator. And yeah, I am. I am a badass. <laughs> I um, am getting ready, actually, to lead a retreat right here in Sandy, November 19th. So right before this, right when this comes out. So what is the name of your company? The name of my company is Motivational Madness. And where can people find you at? They can find me all over the place. You can go to motivational-madness.com. You can find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Is It's at I underscore M underscore motivational underscore madness. I am Motivational Madness. And you can also find me on Facebook. And you can find me right here in Sandy. (laughs) And what services do you offer? All kinds. I offer fitness personal training, as I did with you. I offer behavior change and life coaching. I offer money mindset coaching, so I help people with their financial health. Um, And then I also offer, so I offer one-to-one coaching with all of that. and And I do have clients who do a combination of everything. I also do small group programs, and then I have my in-person wellness retreats. So obviously the in-person one speaks for itself. You'd have to be here for that, but we're on a platform that's global at this point, but let's think, you know, United States of America. If somebody was in Alaska and they wanted coaching from you, is that something you could do? Absolutely. I work with clients literally like all over the country. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. So Jeff... I'm probably going to regret this, but I'm going to let you ask Ariel your first random question. Okay. If you could have any superpower, what superpower would you have and why? Any superpower? Oh, man. I feel like I do have superpowers, though. (laughs) And they're pretty great. But if I could pick another one that I don't currently have, I really think that it would be just so cool to fucking fly. I just, that would be dope. I could get to places so much faster and just, and I love like scenery. I love landscape. So, you know, then I could get some really cool pictures. I like it. Yeah. Well, I, I think anybody can fly. It's just the landing is the hard part. Right. Anybody can fly once. Anybody yep. can fly <laughs> once. Just kind of, you know, what they say about like how some mushrooms are inedible. That's not true. Like all mushrooms are edible. Some are only edible once, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yofo. Oh, you man. Only fly once. So my random question, Ooh. if there was one thing you could remove from your daily routine, what would it be and why? One thing that I could remove from my daily routine? Oh, um, what's like something? Wow, that's a good question. Like, does it have to, like, a it's obviously something bad that I want to remove. I mean, I don't know if I... I mean, it doesn't even have to be bad. It's something you don't enjoy doing as much as the other things. 
exercise. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) See, that is a lie. Honestly, though, I never want to do it either. I'm like, oh, I got to go do this workout. It's been like 10 years. Am I not done yet? Like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Um, That I would remove? I don't know if there's anything that I want to remove. Like, I really do have my daily routine is my daily routine, and I fucking love it. So I don't want to take anything away. I mean, like if it was, you know, somebody else made you breakfast every morning or you didn't have to set the coffee maker or do the dishes. Okay, the coffee maker. Yeah, if I didn't have to set, if I, it would just make itself, that would be fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Now, I understand uh, you have some random questions for Jeff and I. Yes, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get to, like, ask each of you a question or if it was, like, you both had to answer the same question. So how many questions do I get to ask and to who? I mean, we could do that either way. If you want to ask two questions, we both have to answer both of them. I'm down with that. It's America. Do what you want. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then... Would okay, so both of you have to answer both the questions that I ask. Okay, would you, oh, Bishop? I'll ask you first. Would you rather win the lottery or work at the perfect job, and why? Oh, I would rather work at the perfect job because for me, the perfect job would be doing what we're doing right now, and also working with my hands and doing woodworking. That is something I love. It is so enjoyable. It's relaxing. It's therapeutic. And yeah, I would have no problem doing that for the rest of my days. I love that. Okay, Jeff. See, I'd go the opposite way. and I'm going to say I would prefer to win the lottery because I think when somebody asks the question of, well, what would be your dream job? Like for me, I don't really have one. Like if I had like the, if I could build the perfect world, it would be one in which we're not defined by what we do for a living. Okay. Going off on a tangent here, but I was an econ major in college. And where did this lead me at this juncture in my life? Like all this learning about markets and money and the economy and whatnot. And now I am at a stage in life where I say, we live on this floating rock in space that generates all of the air, water, and food that all living creatures Whatever need, there is more than enough of everything to go around. And for some reason, we took a look at all this and decided, yeah, we we need credit scores and Excel spreadsheets. So, I I mean, ultimately for me, I'd I'd prefer to, to live in a world in which we don't have to deal with things like money and having to... To, to grind away to make a living. But, you know, if you, you give me an option of, okay, well, you know, work your dream job or win the lottery so you can just do whatever you want and not have to, like, have a job, yeah, I'm going to go win the lottery. I love that as well. And, you know, if you won the lottery, then you could just invest some of that money and then you make your money work for you. Bo shizzle. <laughs> Wealth that keeps on giving. Did you know that 70% of lottery winners go broke within seven years? Oh, I 100% believe that. Oh, oh my I gosh. It. Yeah, it's insane. And it is why I do money mindset coaching because people don't understand how to how to manage their money and like how to have a good relationship with money. Because have you ever thought that you have a relationship with money? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what does that look like? What is that, you know, so... A lot of people don't. They're like, what are you talking about? Energy and frequency of money. And I'm like, there's energy and frequency of money. My relationship's (laughs) an abusive one. Uh, Well, and so that's something to look at because mine was too. I used to think money was the root of all evil. And like, well, that's not nice, you know? And like when money would, I would be like, oh, money, I love you when you're here, but I like feel desperate when you're not. Like, what if someone said that to you? You would be like, okay, crazy lady, red flag, I'm out. Right? So you have to think about your relationship that you have with money if you want to uh, be able to keep it around when you win the lottery. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> kind of funny. Like, if I can go off on a tangent for a second. Yes. Here. This is actually a story that I read about, about, like, these guys that all worked in an auto shop somewhere in Pennsylvania. And their weekly routine was that they would all go in and buy lottery tickets If they won, the deal was they would split the winnings between all the guys in the shop. And eventually they did win. So this guy was saying that split up, it wound up being $3 million for each person in the shop. And he said it was the absolute worst thing that ever happened to any of them. Because you know what the first thing that happens when you come across, when you suddenly have that kind of money, you don't have any more real friends 
but now you have a lot of new relatives. <laughs> yeah, and it does, I, I believe that money does say a lot about people, and it's really like the lack of money that makes people do bad things, right? It's never the abundance of money that makes people do bad things. I mean, now money, more money makes you more you, so there are bad people in the world, and they do bad stuff with money, but that's, you know, just because that's what money does. It makes you more of who you are. So if you're a really good person... You're going to do incredible things with money, you know, and that's why we need more good people to have more money. And it's actually not that hard to make that make people make you out to believe. It's a lie. Come talk to me if you want to, like, learn about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your next question? Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> this one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, this one actually came from my husband. <laughs> so you didn't have him to thank for it. Um, if you had to choose, would you rather have toilet paper or a toothbrush? <laughs> I'm going to go with toothbrush. I mean, there's always the shower off option. Okay. See, I'm, I'm going to go with toothbrush because me personally, um, I use a bidet. Okay. Oh, well, look at you, all right. Mr. Fancy. Well, so this no is, toilet paper. Th th this was the result of Forgot the pandemic, the you know, and everybody, everybody was hoarding toilet paper. So, you know. You have to get resourceful. Can't find toilet paper. Well, and then, yeah, one day I bought a bidet and it, w it was life changing. I have not gone back. <laughs> well, you know what? I love that. I hadn't even thought about that as being an option. And now I'm going to give feedback to my husband on his question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we got our questions out of the way and Ariel's told us a little bit about her and what she does. Jeff, I believe it is time for you to pull a card, and let's see if Ariel has manifested it. I swear it. to God, if that card is... <laughs> no, it, it's not the card that you thought it was going to be. You peaked! But the card that I pulled for you is the Ace of Cups in reverse. Ooh, okay, so tell me what it is in reverse. I'm interested to hear that. So, in reverse, it's similar to the story that you were telling about when there's a crisis on an airplane, when they say, make sure that you save yourself first, you put your life mask on first. Typically, if I'm pulling Ace of Cups in reverse for someone, it's because they're not doing that good of a job of that. It's because mm. their cup is upside down and they are trying to pour from an empty cup. Mm. So with this, like, I, I would have to ask, like, what is it that you are doing for you right now? Oh, so, God, like hear... so much. <laughs> like so much I'm doing for myself, trust me. <laughs> but I wasn't. I was not, earlier in the year, was not doing enough for myself. And that's why I have been like on the wildest adventure the last month because it has been only for myself. So I think this card maybe is not just for you, but for our listeners as well. Like, well, yes, it you... very much goes into what we were talking about earlier too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a... Uh... Make sure that you are not pouring from an empty cup. Yeah. The tarot is so. like, we're going to reinforce this message. <laughs> Keep talking about it. Yeah, I find the tarot usually does that. Doesn't? Yeah, I don't think it tells anybody anything they don't already know. It just just reinforces like what what you what you already know. Exactly. It's just cardboard, people. Like that's all it is. That's one thing my friend Mandy says because she does incredible tarot readings, and she's like, it's just cardboard. You know, this is just like breadcrumbs. It's telling you what you already know, right? Confirming that. And you know what? Sometimes it's not, it's not always true. And if there is something doesn't resonate with you, then you can like be like, no, I don't resonate with that. And that's not the truth. Well, exactly. I think a lot of it is, <clears throat> like you said, it's just cardboard. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is going to be what is your gut reaction to the card that's pulled? Very true. Because, I mean, because the cards aren't always right. And I always say part of me being a tarot reader, it's the truth is in that person's reaction to the card and not kind of the, the blanket meaning of the card itself. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, on that note, guys, I think we're going to turn this over to Ariel. And uh, Ariel, the time is yours. The story is yours. Where are we at? What time period is? Where are we starting at? Well, <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> it was a dark. Actually, it starts on Christmas Eve, if we're going to go all the way back to childhood, because this is tower moment, right? And my tower moment, when I was really thinking about it, kind of lasted a long time. But if we want to go way back into what really, where things started to truly fall apart for me, 
was on Christmas Eve. I was nine. My father left my family. I remember watching him fix his tie. It was snowing. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's snowing just for you. I'm going to the doctor. I'll be back. And then took a plane to Maryland and left. It was also six days before my 10th birthday. So that was fun. It was not. It was terrible. Like, that was pretty much the time in my life I went from being, like, a straight-A student to straight, like, D student. Gave up on school. Just, you know, had zero self-worth. I'm trying to think, like, I was fourth grade. So there was, like, a little while where I went and, like, lived with my dad, too. It was a whole – it was just a messy divorce. I watched my mom struggle to raise three kids on her own. We had to move into this tiny-ass apartment. We would have been homeless had it not been for my grandparents, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, that was that was just kind of the – like, the start of my tower where I kind of gave up on life, gave up on myself, didn't stop trying, got mixed in with – just friends, but they weren't doing good things, you know, and I was very much like when I look back on it now, I'm able to see this very much like seeking approval, seeking validation, seeking someone to just like love me, you know, because I felt so abandoned and also like watching, you know, my mom was working to support three kids. So I was just alone a lot. Like I would come home from school and I would just be by myself. And so, of course, I got into, like, what do you think? Drugs and alcohol and sex. It was a great time. (laughs) I had a lot of fun. Uh, But it was, like, you know, stupid fun, and it wasn't healthy for me. I was – I got, like, very addicted to the not great drugs. I will just be honest and say cocaine. Like, I had, like, a – it was, like, everybody in my friend group was doing that, and it was bad. I was – Doing it like it before weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is cheating. Right? Like it was so bad. Like, but it's, and I share this because I'm not ashamed of it, right? Like anymore. I definitely had shame there for a little bit, but I'm not ashamed to say that I was like a piece of shit person before. And I, you know, misplaced anger towards my mom. My mom and I had a terrible relationship, you know, had had actually a relationship with my dad, but then that's a whole other tower moment that happened later. Um, I got off on a tangent and forgot where I was going, but <laughs> um, just got, I bring it back, back and in, got into drugs, uh, seeking approval from like guys that were just fucking not good. Like just not good. And I was in and out of these toxic relationships And it was, um, like after senior year, it was like when I was 18. So it was my last summer, the summer after high school. And I had kind of this switch that flipped, not flipped, started to flicker is what I'll say. Um, of like, I am meant to be, do something more, but I went, but that was it. And then, so I went, I moved to North Carolina. So I, my boyfriend and I broke up when I was like 18, right? And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of Knoxville because these people suck. And they're doing, like, they were, they were getting into harder drugs. And, you know, I had, a, unfortunately, like a lot of friends, like, die. And it was really, really sad. Like, so it was a bit of self-preservation that you got the hell out of town. Yes, yes. I, I got the out of town, but not before, not before I got arrested for a weekend before I moved. Got arrested, went to jail. That was not fun. Um, again, not ashamed of anything here. I've moved past it. But yeah, it was just terrible. And I thought that, you know, running to away to the mountains would solve all my problems. Like, haha, demons can't catch me. Well, guess what? Demons don't give a fuck about <laughs> state lines. And they followed me. And it um, was just, yeah, really dark dark time and I um was like heavy into like not just drinking then driving like drinking while driving and like getting into just scandalous shit like reckless behavior I need to bring up my notes to make sure I'm not skipping anything but like reckless reckless behavior um 
Oh, I forgot to tell you about the part where I got in a fight for beating up a teacher's daughter in high school. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tower moment. I'm telling you, like, it was just, it was from like nine to, I said 19, but really it was like age 22. Just no value of life, no self-worth, no boundaries. Everything was falling apart. I was, so I moved away and... um was in massage school. That was what I did. And I was drinking with friends one night and we were at massage school and we were getting ready to go to a concert downtown in Asheville. So I was, my massage school was up in Weaverville and it was like 30 minutes from downtown Asheville. And have either of you been to Asheville, North Carolina? I have not. Oh my God. It is like hippie fucking shit. Like hippie (laughs) town, right? Like I was in massage school. Okay. Like it was beautiful. I got massaged three times a week. It was amazing. But still, I was going through an existential crisis. Um, anyways, was up at the massage school, drinking with friends, got, uh, said that I would drive everybody, got behind the wheel, and started to leave, to go downtown. And we were kind of like in the farm area, like really rural, right? And we're on really windy roads. And there was this curve that I came around, and my car like hit the ditch right and I was I was going too fast like I had just gotten this car back too I swear to god I was not meant to have the car that I was driving like my mom had taken it away from me and then she finally because I was because I got arrested (laughs) and then she gave it back and then and then I and then this happened um was coming around the curve hit the ditch hit the fence post so you hit this hard. This wasn't like a, oh, shit, we fell in a ditch. This was a full-on bad day. Yes, yes. Like, let me, sh- I mean, I, so hit the fence, immediately get knocked out. But, like, subconsciously enough was there. And this fence post comes through the windshield. Like, look, I'm going to show you. I know we're on a podcast, but I'm going to show you guys this because I tell people this, and they're like, okay, yeah. You can only see like this part of it, but that's the windshield. You see that in the middle right there? Oh, that is right where your head would be. Right? Look at that. See, just the middle one. Sorry, there's too many pictures. Just focus on the middle one. Um, how did you walk away from that? I don't know because when I came to, so what happened was <laughs> fence post comes through the windshield. I, in my subconscious mind, tried to overcorrect. So it went all the way across the road barely missed a house through a field with that in my car landed in a creek had three other people in the car with me now for our listeners the picture she just showed us looks like she tried to final destination herself it was final destination and i came to being carried to the road by the guy that was in the car with me one of the guys that was in the car um as i was with some friends and I, you know, I come to, I'm being carried to the road and like, I'm in shock. So I get up and I'm like, oh, guys, like we got to go. Like we got to drive away. Right. And I start sprinting through this field, lost my sandals. That was a whole thing. I was in shock. I was very upset about the sandals. They were Uggs. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had just bought them. I was like, she's going to be so pissed. I've lost these sandals. She did not care. Um, ran through, step in the creek, look at the car, see the fence post sticking through it, like all the way through. And I was like, we cannot drive away. And they're like, yeah, no, you can't. Like the ambulance is here. And I was like, what? You know? And like there, there was like a fire truck, an ambulance. And we're like in the back middle of nowhere at Weaverville, you know, there's no lights, but there were, there was all the ambulance. So they sit us out all on the road. And they're like, point at me. And they're like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I'm good. And they're like, no, you're bleeding from your forehead. And you see this dimple? I know the podcast people, but this is from the accident. I was not born with this dimple. This is leftover trauma from that fence post hitting me in the face. I had 17 stitches in my forehead. I don't know if you you can barely see the scar. 17 stitches in my forehead. And I was like, oh. There's like so much I remember about this night that I haven't talked about in so long. So I'm like remembering and like laughing at myself because I was in the ambulance, like on the way to the hospital and the cop was in there with me. And I was like, is, you know, how's my face? Like I was very ups, like 
focused on superficial shit. I was like pissed that I lost my sandals. I was mad that I'd gotten blood all over my favorite shirt. My friend was like, shut the fuck up. I'll buy you a new one. Like, just get over the shirt. And I was just asking the police officer, I was like, is my face bad? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I. Uh, and I was like, can you take a picture? <laughs> so I got this cop to like take a picture of me and show me. And my face was like, looked like, have you seen Devil's Rejects? It was like covered in blood oh damn just like all oh. like you couldn't see my skin it was just blood and i was just like i was like i'm gonna be ugly <laughs> <laughs> and i was so upset about that in the hospital i remember was like again in shock so they were stitching up my forehead and i was like you know is it bad is it really bad and they're like no no it's not that bad it's not that bad you're fine and i was like am i still pretty <laughs> And they were like, yeah, you're still pretty. And then they, like, let me go to the bathroom. And I came out and I was like, I am not pretty. <laughs> I look fucked up. My face was, like, so swollen, like, out to here. And all these stitches in my forehead. And so they had stitched me up. And I was sitting there. And the cop comes in. And I'm 19, granted. So that's <laughs> this age. And... He asked me if I had had anything to drink. I should have said no. That's what I learned in DUI school. <laughs> but, um, no, I couldn't lie. I couldn't, I couldn't sit there and lie, you know? And I was like, I had one beer. <laughs> it was a really big beer. So I did lie. But I did I admitted to drinking. And when you're 19, it does not matter, right? Like you're underage drinking. So the guy, <laughs> he was like, you've been through enough. I'm going to write you a ticket and not take you to jail. But, like, here's your court date, you know. And I was just like, okay. And then I, uh, this was, like, the wildest thing that happened. So all of my friends that I had with me, like, came to the hospital with me, right? And we were like, they let us go. They were like, okay, go. And we, of course, were like, how the fuck are we going to get home? Like, what is going to happen? And by the grace of God, like, our friend G, who we were in massage school with, he was at the massage school staying with his girlfriend that night. And he was leaving from massage school and saw my car. And he was like, oh, shit, that's Ariel's car. I have to go to the hospital and get them. And, like, showed up and took us all home that night. And it was insane. I was just like, how did you know? And he was like, I don't know, but get in the car, you know. And I, you know, you thought that this would be where the story ends, where the tower stops crumbling. <laughs> it's not. I went home and got drunk as shit uh, and passed out. And then, like, you know, had to deal with all that shit the next day. Um, and it was, and it went on. So for about a year I was in, like, complete denial that I was even in trouble. I was like, no, I'm not getting a DUI. Like, I had this court date, right? And I kept telling my parents, like, no, I'm not getting a DUI. Like, I wasn't drinking, right? Like, where's the toxicology report? I didn't even say that right. Show me proof, right? I was like, show me proof. Show me proof. And they had proof. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of proof. And I wasn't just, like drunk like I was t over twice the legal limit like and of course this was like by the time I'd been in the hospital right so it had had a lot of time to sink in but still like I'm not giving myself a pass at all like I was stupid as shit got behind the wheel drove crashed my car thank god no one else was hurt and it was just me because I wouldn't be sitting here if that had gone that way so yeah in denial until um, I did get officially, like, charged. But during this denial period, I was in massage school, right? Remember that fun part? Um, graduated. Awesome. Went to apply for my massage therapy license that I had just gone to school for, took the test, paid all this money. My parents paid for my massage school. Like, you know, all this stuff. Applied. Got denied. Because I had a pending DUI charge. So you went through all of that 
And got shut down. I got shut down. So not only did I get denied my massage license, but when I did get charged, when it took them over a year to charge me, when I did get charged, I I lost my driver's license. Oof. Yeah. So I rode a scooter that was like under 50 cc's. <laughs> I was like the cause of traffic for so long. And somebody stole it. (laughs) Like three months before I got my license back, somebody stole my scooter. What kind of person steals a scooter? Apparently a lot. It's a problem in Asheville. (laughs) They literally call these things liquor sickles. Everybody in Asheville would ride them because everybody had DUIs. Oh, that is horrible and amazing all at the same time. So I had to ride this scooter for a year, which, like, okay, at least I'm cute. You know, like, I was this, like, cute little girl on the scooter, and, like, I had a pink helmet. It was (laughs) adorable. But I had to ride a scooter for a year, and I thought that I could get away with, like, driving a motorcycle. Um, So I bought one of those, and they were like, no, you can't do that. And, oh, no, that was what it was. Okay, so I went too far. But I did get a motorcycle later. I upgraded. <laughs> um, but I had to ha- I r- had to ride a scooter for a year. And I tried to get like a work license. No. And you know what sucks? Riding a scooter in the snow. They are not meant for that. <laughs> at all. And I wiped out one time like in the middle of an intersection on my scooter. It was so sad. And so and then somebody stole it. And the second one that I got was like a piece of shit. But it went a little faster, so that was nice. But it, like, broke down all the time. So I had to have a scooter for a year. And then when I finally did get my license back, I had to have a blow-and-go in my car for a year. Have you ever seen one of those? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they don't just go off when you start the car. No. Sometimes they go off while you're driving the car. Yes, they do. Every 15 minutes... Um, So you have to blow into it before you can start your car. One time I had had literal mouthwash because I smoked cigarettes at the time and didn't want my boyfriend to like know that I'd smoked cigarettes. So I had some mouthwash. It like triggered the alarm and like gave me a warning. I was like, shit. It like vibrates. It's like very violent. It like vibrates at you. It's like warning. And And if you get too many of those, it disables the car. Yeah. It's so, thankfully that never happened to me. You have to blow into it when you start the car. And then every 15 minutes, 15 or 30 minutes, you have to blow into it again. And then if you are driving for an hour, after an hour, you actually have to turn your car off and then blow into it and start it again. So you can never drive more than an hour without having to turn your car off. For a year, you have to go get it recalibrated like every couple of months, I want to say. And it was like $1,200 or something every fucking time. It was so expensive. Not to mention the community service that I had to do, which I thought I picked a good one by saying, I'm going to go to the Asheville Humane Society and get to play with animals. No, they made me clean shit <laughs> all day. And the towels, eventually I just like would put my iPhone, like my iP- my headphones on and I would just like listen to music and I would like go in there and just be like, fuck, whatever. <laughs> just, um, you know, hanging out. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it was a really dark time. Had the scooter, got the license back, had the blow and go, had the terrible community service, had um, got out of like a toxic relationship, but got dumped, you know, and then immediately got into another one, (laughs) which is not good. Just continued to like engage in reckless behavior uh, let this guy move in with me trying to be like a nice person, you know, don't do that. Don't let people you just met move in with you. That's, that's a horrible idea. It's such a bad idea. And like, I even tried having roommates, but those were also tower, terrible tower moments. There's been, so, it's just, a, it's a hard time. It, it takes a lot to learn. It really does. Yeah, it does. And I feel like I'm, still like I was telling you earlier you know even this year like I've had a tower year tower moments in the year um this year has been really tough I had to the dad you guys remember that guy (laughs) that left my family on Christmas Eve 
when I was nine. Uh, yeah, so this year I became the full-time caretaker for him. He is 82, and I do want to say I love him. I love him very, very much. He is a diagnosed narcissist, and he does have bipolar. And he caused my family, all of us, a lot of trauma. It is because he is sick, though. He has made a lot of bad choices, but ultimately he has mental illness. And that is why I became the primary caretaker for him. Because at the end of the day, despite his mental illness, he is my father. And I love him very, very much. And I forgive him for what he's done because of that whole hurt people hurt people. And that has been, you know, healing that I have been able to do this year even though it was really tough. Because have you ever moved your parent into your guest room before? Can't say that I have. Nope. Yeah, I would not uh, recommend it. <laughs> if you can avoid it. Uh, but at the time, there was no way to avoid it because my dad was like in such a financial crisis. Like he was getting ready to be evicted from his apartment he had like tens of thousand dollars worth of debt. Um, it was just, it, it it was less of like, a, I'm going to move you in or I'm going to go over and help you. And like, it became like an extraction process where I had to take, you know, full control of the situation and just get him the help that he needs. Because really what he needed was somebody to just come in and help who understood not only like what he needed for his mental health, but his physical and financial health. Uh, I just happened, this is an area of specialty for me. So I was like, okay, I can look at this financial trauma that I've had to deal with, <laughs> you know, for my whole life. And uh, I'm going to take this on. And I thought going into it, like, yup, I got this 100%. This is going to be easy. And it has been anything but... <laughs> <laughs> you jinxed yourself. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I thought, I, I don't know what I, I mean, there was so much that I thought that just ended up not happening. And, you know, there have been moments this year where it's just been really tough to manage a full-time business and a, a an 82-year-old kid, you know, and, and have to do that. And that's not something that like 32 year olds do, you know, like my dad is much older than most people who have dads, you know, like who are my age, like no, no one that I know that's my age is doing this. So it's been, so it's so tough because it's like, I have no one to talk to and like, you know, just even vent to. Um, and so, yeah, that was interesting living with my dad for six weeks and then shortly after that my dog that I've had since I was 18 like I got him right when I moved to Asheville and went to massage school um, before my terrible car accident like he has been with me through every transition in life and he passed away so that I don't think that I have like ever cried so hard in my life. I mean, just my face was like swollen just because it was my, you know, it was my dog. It was like the dog that I got. I, I lied to my mom, <laughs> like lied to both my parents about having this dog for like two weeks. I got away with it. And then my dad came to visit and was like, and I was like, sit there with this dog <laughs> on the porch. I was like, I already named him. His name was Motley. <laughs> like the crew, because it's my favorite band. And yeah, he was with me through everything, including like all the, including the top, the end of one toxic relationship, the length of a whole nother. And then, you know, has been with me um, and my now husband. We've been together for eight years, eight, almost nine years, you know, and married for three, four. I'm like, oh God, how many years? I need to do math. It's been four. Um, and so just, just been here and yeah, 
him passing away, I think, was kind of just like a fucking kick to the shins, you know? Just really, really tough. It was like, God damn it, and my dog died. Like, all this, and my dog died. So you've been living a country western song. Yep, yep. <laughs> living a country western song. Like, what else, you know? And just at the... had felt like a rock bottom moment this year. Like, where I truly did feel just... Wow, okay. And, like, shaking, like, crying in my office. Just on the floor, like a puddle of sadness. So through your whole experience, what would you say your your three lowest moments were? Oh, three lowest moments. Definitely the car accident. That one was low. It was so low. I would also say <sighs> I mean, it's like this year has been really tough. And because I, I was like, man, I've been like good for like 10 years now. It was like it was it was like a tower for 10 years. And then and then it was good for 10 years or better, better. So this this year has been a low because it's just been something that I've never had to experience before. It's been so new. And I think that that is why it feels so it's like a new low. It's like, whoa, this sucks. And then I would say, I mean, yeah, when I watched, you know, like when I watched my parents' marriage fall apart, like that was really, I think the lowest was like watching my mom just like sob in the hallway of this like public place where her like bitch ass lawyer was like just being a dick you know, and just like wouldn't help her. And I was just like, what are you, aren't you supposed to be the one to help? You know, I'm gonna cry. I told you guys I was gonna cry. <laughs> so after your car accident, I'm, I'm just curious because I remember how my parents reacted. What was yeah. your parents' reaction to your car accident? Oh my God, they were like the most, I was terrified. Let me say that first. And I like wrote out this whole message to, well, for the car accident, they really, they were just like, so they were like, oh my God, I'm just so glad you're okay. Like, we don't care about the car. We don't give a shit. My mom was like, I don't care about the fucking sandals. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I'm just glad that you're alive, you know? And then there was the whole like having to break to them that I was in fact getting charged with a DUI when I had been telling them for a year that no, I wasn't. It was like a whole text message. I like sent it in a text message. Um, and they just responded with nothing but compassion. Which I think made such a difference. Because that was what I had not been getting up until that point. It, it felt like. You know, my mom and I fought a lot. But she was like, no, it's okay. We're going to like get you through this. You know, she, it's not like she was happy. But she was like, I'm just glad you're alive. Do you ever have one of those moments where you realize you got screwed? That's not what I got. <laughs> My dad was upset that I wasn't incarcerated. That that was like his big thing. Like he was pissed off that I wasn't in jail. Mm-hmm. Not like, hey, I'm glad you're alive, but like, seriously, why the fuck didn't you get in, you know incarcerated? You're underage. You were drunk. You hit a tree. Why am I not talking to you through like a plexiglass window right now? It's a different perspective, and it's a little weird for me. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very different. Because yeah, I remember, like, you and I have that similarity, that parallel in our life of what happened, you know. And it, it really does take a lot to really learn when you're going through that shit. I mean, it just... School of hard knocks for life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, like in this episode, like we're talking about, this is kind of all of the bad. And in the next episode we have you on, we're going to talk about the good things and the progression. Um, but just as a little side note, like even though this year has been tough, you've been running a successful business mm-hmm. and you've yes. been making progress. Yes, so, so much. So it is entirely possible to live in a shit storm and have a successful life. Oh, 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Like there are... 
as terrible as this year has been, there have also been like so many incredible things and both can exist at the same time. And I think that is so important for people to understand because like that is life. There's going to be shit. (laughs) Now, like when you were going through the accident time, let's just focus on that point. Yes. Did you believe that was a possibility back then? I think that I had started to. Maybe not that like year of denial, um, but 21, 22, it was actually, it maybe was, maybe it was like in 19 because like I had started, like I remember seeing like an old Facebook memory of like, you know, like what the stupid statuses you post in 2009, like don't read those, <laughs> but I love to read them. Thank you, Facebook, for uh, triggering our PTSD and reminding us of, our, of, of earlier traumas that happened in our life. I know. Well, I see so much of like what I post, and I can see when I start when I started to make the shift by looking back at those memories. And there was like a memory where I was just like, Ariel Zimmerman needs to become more motivated. And like, who am I today? I am motivational madness, you know. So I think that there were times, but it just it took. More towers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about that in my story, and I'm sure in Jeff's story, too. Like, you, you kind of have that realization point where, like, the dust has settled, and it's it's a staircase back up. Mm-hmm. And hopefully not to another tower, but it's a staircase back up. <laughs> Just keeps coming. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you have any questions, brother? Um, did you ever get your scooter back? No, I didn't. I had to buy, I like filed a police report. I like, (laughs) the thing that happened with it, my boyfriend at the time was like, somebody stole your scooter. And I was like, no, they didn't. And he was like, no, somebody stole your scooter. And I was like, what? What do I do? Do I call the cops? (laughs) So I had to call the cops, file a police report. Never saw that thing again. Never. Had to go spend like several hundred dollars, which at the time I was poor. So like, you know, it was a lot and a piece of shit one. And then Nobody stole that one, though. It was a piece of shit. Nobody <laughs> wanted to steal it. Kind of gone down this rabbit hole lately in some of my free time, just watching these documentaries about the world's worst slums and the scariest gangs in the world. So, Learning all about, like, the ugly Americans gangs and, and Cape Town, South Africa and Kingston, Jamaica, you know, the murder capital of the world. And, and now... The scooter thieves of Asheville, North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) I am telling you, people made money doing that. They would spray paint your scooter, put new parts on it, and sell that shit on the black market. And then you were, you know, somebody was riding around on your scooter. I swear I saw it one time. I was like, that's my fucking scooter. But I didn't get it. (laughs) But it was a a serious problem. They, like, they warned you they're like you need to lock your scooter up and the one night i decided not to lock my scooter up somebody stole it even though there's a vespa sitting right there this is the weirdest game of grand theft auto ever it was like i was like who steals a scooter that's mean whoever stole the scooter if you're listening you could have had a vespa (laughs) you could have had the vespa bring it back all right guys so i'm gonna give some shout outs uh First and foremost, if you're in the state of Utah and you're looking for some people to talk to, you should definitely check out Utah Singles Chat and Social Club. There is an awesome guy in there named AJ, and uh, he has a couple of different chat groups, and it's a great place to socialize where you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home, but you can talk to some people and have a little bit of a life. And speaking of AJ, he is going to be our next guest. He has his own tower story to tell. And uh, it took some convincing, but he has agreed to come on the show as our next guest to talk to us about his fall. Nice. And then if you would like to ask us a question, whether it be for Jeff, for myself, for Ariel, for the show in general, um, you can go ahead and reach us at 435-538-9556. You can uh, call that number. We'll go straight to voicemail, and you can leave a voicemail message if you're okay with us adding it to the show. Or you can text. Both are a good option for you. Now, as Ariel said, she is Motivational Madness, and you can find her on Facebook. You can find her on her website and Instagram. I'll make sure to include those name of that information and usernames in the episode description. But this has been Ariel's Tower. 
thank you so much for letting me share the crumbling of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ariel is going to be back on for the second half of the tower moment, the climb, I guess, as we're calling it right now. And uh, that'll be a much more interesting episode, and a little bit more fun. But we, we tell you these stories. So when you're in the middle of this shit in your own personal shit storm, you know that it can get better. It just depends okay. on how you treat it. Yeah, and one thing that I've seen um, that I think is inspiring with feedback that we've been getting from telling our stories is that I'm seeing a lot of people saying, I appreciate you guys coming out here and, and telling your stories. Because this, this has given me the courage to finally stand up and tell my story as well. It's powerful. It really is. Yes, I love that. Everybody has a story. Everybody does. And I think it's important that you share it with the world because even if it just helps one other person, how much is that worth? You know, if you could save one life, that's amazing. Even if all it is, is just your own. 100%. All right, guys. Does anybody else have anything you'd like to add to this episode? So I just want to give a shout out to, to my fiance. I know she's going to listen to this and everything that Ariel said about the relationship with money and whatnot. She's going to, she, she's going to like, give me that look. She's going to say, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I like your fiance already. Oh yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, can I give a shout out to my amazing husband? Go for it. Thank you, Mark. You're amazing. I love you so much. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that wraps up this episode. We will be back next time with AJ. And uh, we might got a couple tricks up our sleeve coming up. And then eventually Ariel is going to be back on telling the B-side of the tower story. And we look forward to that. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the questions we keep getting. And we're not really advertising this podcast a lot right now. So grassroots is where it's at. If you like it and enjoy it and you think somebody else in your life would, please do share. So You need to tell a friend and then your friend will tell their friends. And then when they make a sale, you'll get, you'll, you know, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ariel, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Oh my gosh. Thank you all. Seriously so much. I just really appreciate this. Thank you. It has been a blast. All right, with that note, everybody, it is time to sign off. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next time. Like and subscribe. Bye.